Hi, I'm Jack Lessonberry, and welcome or welcome back to my podcast. I've done journalism on four continents since the days when platform mainly had something to do with shoes. In recent years, I've been doing it on radio and TV, newspapers and magazines, and on the internet, and now via this podcast. What hasn't changed is my desire to bring you new, fascinating, and important information, especially stories, mostly by bringing you the people involved in those stories. So please join me as often as possible, either via audio or on YouTube, where you can see some of our guests, and also stay tuned for my signature essays at the end of each of these podcasts. You can also read my essays, tune in to YouTube, and check out lots of other work on my blog, LessonberryInc.com. That's ink as an ink pen. I hope you subscribe to both these podcasts on YouTube and my blog, like my like my Lesson Break Facebook page, and follow me on all these places, especially these podcasts. And thank you for listening, reading, and please keep doing so. Now then, for today's story. If you live in Michigan, you most likely know that this state has the highest average car insurance rates in the nation. And if you live in Detroit, you know that car insurance costs there are the highest in the world. How high? Well, the average driver in Cleveland pays about $1,300 a year for car insurance. In Detroit, that cost is well over $5,400 a year. But we've been told that help is on the way. Last week at the annual leadership conference on Mackinac Island, Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed a bill designed to significantly reduce car insurance rates, a development praised by many, including Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan. When you read the bill, it turns out that it may not be all it's said to be. Rates are only required to be reduced on a portion of the policy and then for only eight years. There are plenty of loopholes for the insurance companies, and perhaps the biggest pitfall is this. Michigan has had one advantage over every other state in the Union. Till now, everyone who was in a catastrophic accident was guaranteed to have any medical expenses they racked up after the first half a million dollars covered for life. Now, people will be allowed to opt out of that provision to save a little money, and that worries many people, including me. Joining me now to examine this more thoroughly is State Representative Yusuf Rabi, who is the House floor leader for the Democrats, and joining us by phone is Erica Colston, who herself suffered a catastrophic accident in 2001 and went on to found a group called Walk the Line, the SCI Recovery. She also serves on the board of directors for the Brain Injury Association of Michigan. Ms. Colston, Representative Rabi, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you both. We'll start off. I want to start off with you, Representative Robbie, because I think, as I said before we started broadcasting, there's still a lot of confusion about this. Now, this doesn't really take effect for a year. Right. Well, it, there's a there's a couple of phase-ins, uh, and and the first phase-in doesn't happen for for uh, for a year. So. So how long before this is fully? Fully going in the the, the law form. won't take fully effect for two years, um, but the the first provisions of it, some of the rate reductions, uh, you won't see that for another uh, for another year. Mm-hmm. Now, Erica, I gather that uh, um, you are very concerned about the ability for people to opt out of catastrophic coverage. Absolutely, um, you know this is uh, the whole idea of um, PIP choice is just flawed in itself. And, um, tell us what PIP stands for, by the way, we're not personal all injury. Yeah. Personal injury protection. Thank you. So, um, you know, uh, up until now, as you mentioned, um, any medical expenses related to a catastrophic injury, um, car accident, um, were paid for in in full under our system. And that will no longer be the case. Um, you know, people will, will have the option, um, to choose less um, personal injury protection coverage than that, and um, and that leaves us all at risk. Not only if you are somebody that chooses less coverage, are you at risk for substandard substandard care and to run out of 
money to pay for your medical expenses, but it puts all of us at risk um, as at-fault drivers. So um, if you do end up um, going forward under this new legislation, if you are the at-fault driver and the person catastrophically injured um, runs out of money for their medical expenses, they can now sue you personally. Now, Erica, you you yourself were a a beneficiary of this, uh, the catastrophic coverage, were you not? Yes, I still am. And so can you just tell us a little bit about your situation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was injured in 2001. Um, I was 23, and uh, I was in a single-car accident um, with my brother here in Michigan, and I sustained a spinal cord injury. I have a C6-7 spinal cord injury. I'm paralyzed uh, from the chest down. And, um, you know, the the no-fault system in Michigan um, saved my life. You know, I've said that right. many times um, to many people. Just the extent of support and care that's provided um, really has allowed me to not just live um, my life as a spinal cord injured woman, but to thrive um, as a business owner, as a mom, um, and, you know, as a person um, that lives with a permanent disability. Well, uh, well, thanks. I- Took some, it must have taken a lot of guts to accomplish what you've accomplished. But, uh, Representative Robbie, now, what, now you know, of course, some people will choose to opt out of this to save a few dollars, and some of those people are going to have catastrophic accidents. It's just uh, you know the law of averages. What will happen to those folks? What would happen to someone like Erica now if they don't have that kind of coverage? Well, let me take a step back and try to. Uh, I want to run through a couple scenarios sure. here uh, of, of the the coverage that we have now. I want to emphasize this is the best in the nation. Right um, for and catastrophic of, care. Yes, for right. accident victims, we have the best coverage in the entire country, uh, and and that is something that has been pointed to quite a bit. People say, "Well, Michigan's the only state that blah." Right. Uh, and you know, if we look at our coverage right now, we have the best in the country. And so, some scenarios I just want to run through. Um, your child is playing ball in the street with her friends. Uh, the ball goes in the street. She runs after it, gets hit by a car. Under our current system, that child is covered for life, all expenses, uh, to make sure that that child uh, can live a, a decent quality of life moving forward. Right now, under, uh, under the bill as it passed, uh, what would happen is that that child's care would be capped at $250,000. Right. Mm. That's it. Which you can go through in about a couple of weeks. You can go through that pretty quickly. Um, depending on the severity of the injury, you could go through it in less than a couple of weeks. Right. Uh, that is one of the major changes that we've seen. So, so people who are pedestrians, people who are bicyclists, people who are uh, bystanders to an accident and get injured in that accident, right now, like, those people would have been covered under our current system. They will no longer be covered under the new system. That is one of the major shifts and changes. So pedestrians have to be careful. Bicyclists have to be more, uh, much more careful. Um, the other scenario I want to run through, Michigan is a, is a cold state. We get snow. We get ice. Our roads uh, get pretty bad. And so uh, you know, when you're talking about at-fault versus not at-fault driver, uh, it is very easy to become an at-fault driver in Michigan, exactly. even though it's no fault of your own. You've hit a patch of ice. You run into the car in front of you, uh, and you in, you know you may be injured yourself. You may injure the driver in the other car. And as was said, once once the other driver uh, uh, runs through their cap, um, they're going to sue you. 
Mm. Um, and so if you want the same type of coverage that you have now, not only are you going to have to opt for the unlimited coverage plan, but you are also going to probably have to buy additional insurance to basically cover yourself uh, in, the, in the event that you are sued as the at-fault driver. Because again, right now under our current system, if you hit a patch of ice and you hit the driver in front of you, both drivers are just covered, right? If you get a brain injury, the person that you hit gets a spinal injury, you, both drivers are covered. Under the new system, uh, it depends on what your cap is and on what their cap is. So say that you opt for the, say that you're on Medicaid and you opt for the $50,000 plan, right. or, or let's say that you're on Medicare and you opt for no coverage at all. Right, and you're in the brain. You you have get a a brain injury. Uh, you you will get the services that Medicare covers, but you'll have to pay out of pocket for anything above and beyond that. Medicare, by the way, doesn't cover a lot of long term healthcare expenses, so you're going to be out of pocket for a lot of those. Um, the, and if you the, don't have the money, and if you don't have the money, then you're in a bad spot. Right. Say the driver that you hit is covered up to they they opted for the two hundred fifty thousand dollar level. Right. So that gets them through the first couple weeks. Once that passes, they're starting to rack up, uh, you know, m a multi million dollar bill probably. Right. Uh, they can then come back to you and sue you, uh, even though you have no money left because you're paying out of pocket for your own medical expenses. Right. So you have now incurred that liability. So if you want the same coverage that you have now, not only you're going to have to get that unlimited plan, but you're going to have to buy additional, basically, liability insurance to make sure that when you get sued, you have, uh, you know, you have something backing that up. That's going to be additional dollars. So even if you opt for the full catastrophic care coverage, you still won't have the still, same coverage well, that you have now. I think the proper word is nightmare scenario. But yes. uh, Erica, you're also part of something called CPAN, correctly? The Coalition to Protect Automotive No-Fault? Uh, I'm a member of CPAN, yes. Can you speak? What are they doing? I mean, they obviously must not be happy. Are they trying to seek any kind of legislative or ballot remedy for this? Well, you know, before, I want to just piggyback off of something sure. that um, that Representative Robbie just said, because, um, you know, under this, this new law, even if you choose the unlimited um, benefits, um, not only, obviously, is it not the same because of the lack of uh, liability coverage, but also you have to take into account the effect that other portions of this bill are going to have on the system that supports those of us that are injured. So there's a fee schedule that it's, that's imposed um, and, and, other, and other items that are um, projected to negatively impact um, providers. So uh, even if you buy the unlimited and even if you buy the extra liability, you still won't get what you have today because um, it's expected that many providers will um, will end up going out of business. Wow. Because reimbursement is, a, you know, I mean, one of the things I want to get, put a fine point on with that is the reimbursement rates for hospitals uh, are, you know, going to be lower, but at least they're somewhat reasonable for most hospitals. But the big kicker is going to be for the post-acute care clinics, the folks that do special rehab for brain injury and spinal injury, uh, accident victims, their reimbursement rates are going to be 55% of what they charged in, I believe, June of 2018. So if you're a business owner and you're running and you're running a business right. and then suddenly you're told actually you're going to get paid half of what you got paid last year would you be able to stay in business i don't think so Probably. well there it was said a devil's advocate here that uh michigan has been the reimbursement rates for most medical treatments have been the lowest in the country and there there was some thought that the doctors and hospitals deserved the higher reimbursement rate well 
you know, I mean, one of the one of the things to point out is, you know, p- people do often go and say that, uh, you know, that there are some people abusing the system, and I think that that's uh, that that's true. That there are some providers out there that are, uh, but what this, the way that the law is actually worded, what it ends up doing is the folks that were say you were already charging two hundred percent of what you should have been, right, and that a, a provider that's playing by the rules, they're they're charging 100% of what they should have been. Um, and then now this law says you can get 55% of what you charged in 2018. That means the provider that was um, basically uh, milking the system for more than they should have, they're still going to be in a good spot because so they started of, high and now they're, you know, and so, but the guy who- bad behavior. Exactly. And the person that was following the rules and, and billing at a, at a reasonable rate, now their business model is completely ruined. Mm. So, um, so that's another part of this uh, plan that I think it, it's not going to solve the problem of, of bad actors that are, that are milking the system for money because uh, it's actually encouraging that behavior now. But nevertheless, these things passed, despite all these drawbacks, it passed overwhelmingly. I think it was 94 to 15 in the House or something like that. And uh, something there like were four, Yeah, there four, were four no votes in, in the Senate. Senate. Um, and everybody knows that auto insurance rates in Detroit have been uh, absurd. I mean, the, the 54 under the, nobody can afford to pay that. Does that does it solve that problem for Detroit? Absolutely not. So this, uh, so there's a few things that. So first of all, let me acknowledge, it is unfair and uh, and wrong, and quite frankly, in many ways, racist that we have a system that we do where people in some communities are paying so much more than people in other communities. Right. That's unacceptable. Right. But there are ways to solve this uh, system that don't involve blowing the whole thing up. Right. Um, and one of those ways is to eliminate something called non-driving factors, which are used by the insurance industry to basically increase rates in certain communities while other communities don't have to pay as much. So in places like uh, Detroit, where they can use territorial rating factors um, so they can use your residence uh, against you in basically setting your rates. They can use things like uh, whether you're widowed. They can use things, uh, a variety of different factors, and, and credit scores is another thing. Age. And credit factors, age. And so, uh, so you know, so what this bill, it's interesting the language that was used because in the bill, they end up uh saying that they're addressing the non-driving factors, but in fact, what they're doing is putting window dressing on it. So they're saying... In the bill, it says you can no longer use zip code, but then right underneath that, it says you can still use territorial rating factors, which means they won't be able to use the, your zip code anymore, but they can still use the city that you live in or the state rep district that you live in or the congressional district that you live in. So it's meaningless. What's so that? it's essentially meaningless. And they did the same thing with the credit score side. So they said you can't use credit scores anymore. Well, it turns out that most insurance companies already don't use credit score. They use the variety of other um, credit rating uh, products that the credit rating agencies actually put out on people. So credit score is just one of a whole menu of, of, of uh, products that right. these credit rating agencies put out. And most insurance companies actually use those other products anyways. And so the, the, they will still use your uh, credit rating factors. They will still use your, your location to set your rates. And I think what this is going to ultimately mean is that folks in places like Detroit and Dearborn that are paying such high rates, they're not ultimately going to see those rates go down because of how this uh, deal was essentially worded. Or not go down as much as they had hoped. Exactly. I mean, and they may go down a little bit. And the other thing to note on the rate reductions is that the way that the language is worded is it says 
uh, to the degree practicable, the rates will go down on average across the state uh, in those specific areas if you choose basically less care. So wow. if you opt for those lower care options, sure. the way that it's worded is it's on average across the state, which means even if you opt for that lower option, it doesn't mean that your rates will automatically go down. In fact, rates could go up in certain parts of the state. They could go up in Detroit and go down in Patuxent. Exactly. exactly. So, so you could even see rates continue to climb in Detroit. Wow. And the other piece of that is the rate reductions only apply to the PIP portion of your bill. Which, which is about half the cost, isn't it? It's close to 40%, so not even half. Right. But the rate reductions are a percentage of a percentage on average across the state to the degree practicable. There's a lot of loophole language in that statement. Um, but the thing to note is that there's nothing preventing insurance companies from increasing rates in other areas, such as your collision. Uh, they could make a line item up. Um, you know, There are a lot of things that they could do to actually increase your total premium bill that you <laughs> Administrative pay. Administrative expenses. Exactly. Yes. Even if they're decreasing right. technically mm. your PIP line item. There's a lot of loopholes in this bill. Erica, are you folks mobilizing to fight this, to try to get some new legislation or something? Um, well, I know that um, CPAN and others have been working diligently to analyze this bill. Um, the bill that was introduced and voted on was 120 pages um, and is only a little more than a week old. Um, furthermore, the bill that Governor Whitmer signed um, on Mackinac Island had some other changes um, made to it. So um, right now, everyone is is analyzing the bill and trying to figure out what the next steps are, but I imagine that there will be several challenges on constitutionality um, as well as other other issues within this bill, legal challenges, um, and potentially, um, you know, other steps beyond that. But we are definitely not done fighting. Um, it's just unclear what the what the next step will be. You know, as a person who is differently abled, and you yourself drive. Um, what kind of car, how do the car insurance companies deal with you? Do you pay a reasonable rate? Um, I, you know, I, I do. Um, I, um, you know, I, I'm overinsured. I've always overinsured myself um, just because, you know, sure. I've, I've been in a catastrophic accident and, um, you know, I've been through a house fire uh, with my, in my parents' home when I was younger. So, um, you know, I come from a family of overinsurers. But, um, you know, and I, I live in a suburb. Um, you know, I'm married. I, I have a good driving record. Those things, um, but what's really unfortunate is that um, none of these uh, non-driving, most of these non-driving factors um, that are really at play here, causing the rates to be so high, um, have been addressed adequately, uh, as Representative Robbie points out. So um, I think one part of the issue is, you know, legislators being able to say, okay, why are the rates? Uh, for people in Detroit or Pontiac or Flint, so high. Um, and how does this actually address those issues? You know, I heard Mayor Duggan say time and time again, people in Detroit will save $1,000 or $1,200 on average. If, if your auto insurance bill is $5,000 and you can't afford that or eight or $9,000, what does $1,000 off do? Uh, does it make it more affordable? I mean, I don't, I don't see how it does. And the other thing to note too is that you know, with that, with the scenario that you're describing, you know, those rates are still going to be triple what people in other parts of the state are paying. So right. there's still an inequity issue that exists there that ne that has not been addressed and needs to be. Now, uh, Representative Robbie, the governor who has shown courage on a number of fronts has said that she was not going to sign anything that uh, didn't preserve catastrophic coverage for everybody. At least I think that's what she said. And then she signed it. Do you have any insights into why she, for want of a better word, caved in on this bill? 
you know, I, I don't, I can't speak for the governor. Uh, you'd have to ask her that question. You know, I, I only know what I saw in the right. bill. I only know that, you know, I was only given uh, a few hours to read, uh, you know, over 100 pages of legislation. And I know the things that I saw in there meant to me that this was a bad deal for the people of the state of Michigan. Now, there are those who say that she had, and either of you can jump in on this, there are those who say she had no choice because Dan Gilbert was gearing up to have a petition drive for to, to do something worse than this. And had they collected enough signatures to put it on the ballot, the Republican legislature could have adopted it without the governor having an opportunity for a veto. I, the only thing I'll say to that is they're making the same threat on these abortion bills that right. they put forward. Mm. So, but, uh, and she's vowed to veto those. So, Well, and I think, too, that um, even though Dan Gilbert had, had vowed to get those signatures, he had not even yet created a committee to, right. uh, to draft language. So certainly there was time, if nothing else, there was three months, to really um, put, put task to the, the House Select Committee that was a bipartisan committee that was established um, that was tasked with having hearings, which they had been doing, and coming up with a bipartisan fair solution, which they were told they were supposed to be working on. So, um, you know, I just, I just don't buy that. I, I, I don't buy it. The, um, Representative Robbie, do you see any possibility, political possibility, that in the next year the legislature might have second thoughts or might might pass something amended to this if enough pu- there was enough public reaction against it? I do. I mean, I, I'm hopeful, of course, that we can do something like that. I think that we'll realize the error in this quote-unquote deal uh, in in time. I mean, but unfortunately, I think we're going to see a lot of people suffering uh, in the in the meantime, and I think that's what it's going to take for, you know, public outcry to increase and for legislators to, you know, come around to the notion that, you know, we we really uh, messed up with this deal. Um, and, and just, you know, one of the other things I wanted to mention earlier, too, is I just want to emphasize that the way that our current current insurance system works is, as you mentioned earlier, your 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 auto insurance company is responsible for that first five hundred and fifty thousand dollars of care. Everything above and beyond that is paid for out of the MCCA, right. Michigan Catastrophic Claims Association fund, and the what we pay for for that is two hundred dollars a year. Every every driver in Michigan pays two hundred dollars a year to have unlimited benefits. I mean, to me, like. You know, out of the thousands of dollars that we all pay right. on our auto insurance, it's just that two hundred that gives us unlimited care. To me, that is an incredible deal. It's a real bargain. It's a real bargain to have uh, to, to have unlimited care on your auto insurance. And that's the thing that people often lose in this conversation is they get caught up in these thousands and thousands of dollars that they're paying. You're only paying two hundred dollars for that catastrophic care. And so, um, unfortunately. By going into a system where you have this "quote unquote" pip choice, um, and I and I sort of compare it to uh, you know a, a seatbelt, right? Right. You should ha- you should wear a seatbelt. You shouldn't have the option of wearing a good seatbelt or a bad seatbelt or no seatbelt. You should just have to wear a seatbelt, and that's sort of what this scenario is. But having that uh, pip choice means that you have uh, folks that are opting out of paying into that MCCA right. fund. And you know how uh, a pension system works or anything else like that. If you don't have new people coming into the system, it's going to hurt the long-term exactly. viability of the system. And so we have people that are in that system now. We have people that are coming 
coming into that system every day and every uh, every year um, that are going to be, even if you opt for that unlimited coverage, you take right. that option, uh, there's going to be less people in that plan, which means the long-term viability of the MCCA uh, is going to be diminished over time. And so even if we decide to, to, to correct course later on and we decide to say, okay, you know, we need to, we need to fix this problem, it's going to take time to be able to get the system that we have now back up and running. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a little bit unfortunate, but I, I'm hopeful, hopeful that legislators will see that this is not something that's good. And I, and I do want to uh, emphasize just really quickly here too, I think a lot of the some of the yes votes, people that voted yes, I don't want to speak for them, right. but I, I think that there's um, more uh, of a sense that this bill is not perfect than there is a sense that this bill is perfect. I think people really uh, felt backed into a corner, that they didn't have uh, many options, that, that there would just be all this celebration about the rate relief, and that it's hard as an elected official to, um, you know, to take that that. And I think it's vote. also, I think also so, some of these folks may have, may have feared that they would be, get an opponent for re-election. Now you're in a, a absolutely. Pretty, I, that, I think that's that a big say, factor too. Representative Robbie voted against lowering your car exactly. insurance rates. Yeah. It, uh, um, Eric, if I could ask, uh, I would expect over the last 18 years, your medical bills probably ran into the millions of dollars. Absolutely. Um, I don't. I don't know the exact number, but um, but I, I would uh, imagine that they absolutely have. I mean, I've I've stayed active in physical therapy. Um, you know, so. Um, that along with other expenses for my care, um, whether it's medical supplies, wheelchairs, um, you know, different different therapies, the assistance with transportation, um, all those things, you know, cost money. And without them, um, without them, you're really left to struggle on your own. Fine. There's one final thing I want to talk about is in it, it, Representative Robbie, the Michigan Catastrophic Care Fund, which has said there's. A lot of mystery about this fund, which is said sometimes have eighteen billion or twenty billion dollars in it. Does anybody really know it? Uh, does anybody does anybody audit it? Is it run by the state or run by the insurance companies? Yeah, so that's one of the major fixes that we, the Democratic Caucus, was uh, proposing. Uh, was that that is one of the problems with the current system is that the current MCCA doesn't have the level of transparency that it should, um, and actually is technically run by a board of people that are from the insurance industry. Um, and so that, in my opinion, is something that should have been addressed in this bill. It wasn't, but it should be addressed in future legislation, right. um, and it should have been one of the fixes in order to you know, fix the current system that we have instead of blowing it up. But we need transparency for the MCCA. We need to know, you know where that money's being invested, how it's being invested, how much money's actually in there. Who's investing and frankly, it? it? And who's investing yeah. it? It is insurance companies now, but who's investing it is, is important, too. And I think ultimately, in, in my ideal world, that MCCA fund should be run by the public. It should have public accountability. Right. It should have uh, public checks and balances. It is the public's money. It is not the insurance company's money. Um, and you know they are they, that is not getting fixed in this legislation, unfortunately. Um, but it is something that we should be looking at down the road, and it's something that I think would have made a big impact on ultimately lowering auto insurance rates if we know you know, the, what those numbers look like, then we can have a better sense of whether they're charging us enough in that MCCA fee or, or too much, I mean, in that we MCCA really, fee. We really don't know. Is this fund That's is adequate, whether it's too much, too little? And, uh, well, so the yeah. other thing, too, yeah, the other thing, too, that I think wasn't really talked about at all, but um, you mentioned that insurance companies, um, after the $550,000, the MCCA reimburses them dollar for dollar, which is true. When I was injured... Um, 
that amount was $250,000. So something that was in the original legislation is that um, the the PIP threshold point, the, the, the amount of money that the insurance company has to spend until you break into the catastrophic fund, um, increases with, um, with inflation um, every so many years. So what you have now is, uh, for example, um, the amount that insurance companies have to pay before, they, before you break into that MCCA fund is $300,000 per injury more than when I was injured. Hmm. So what you have is a situation where insurance companies, their liabilities have gone up. Um, because they're responsible for that many more thousands of dollars more per individual. And the MCCA liabilities have gone down that much, $300,000 per, per injury per, you know, per individual. So that's why I think we've seen um, insurance companies you know, crying for relief, saying they're not making any money, and also why we've seen the fund grow from $9 billion in 2010 to $22 billion in 2019. Um, and that's an easy fix. You know, that's something that the legislators could have solved by just retroactively, you know, retrofitting the, the PEP threshold, the PIP threshold point um, to a reasonable amount um, and frozen it there um, as a way to give, give the insurance companies some relief and give actual savings to drivers. This isn't insurance savings. They just, they're selling you less insurance. Right. Right. I mean, that's, I, I think that's the important part is like um, you're just buying less bread. Um, it's not actually insurance savings. But that's a really good point. There's a lot of really uh, good solutions that could have that we could have done as a legislature, right. including what she just talked about, um, that would have preserved our best in the nation uh, healthcare for you know accident victims, while you know solving all the uh, these other factors that 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 are part of it. We you know, um, but we didn't decide to do that. You know, unfortunately. Well, now, and it, no, and and what's worse than that, as you said, that you only had a few hours to look at this bill. There were no public hearings, no testimony, um, no no time for fiscal analysis of the impact of any of these changes. Um, it, legislators were given mere hours to look at an 120-page bill that was going to impact the lives of tens of thousands of, of survivors at the very least. I mean, that, that process that the um, Republican leadership put in place and that Governor Whitmer endorsed is shameful. And, um, and I think that's something that, that needs to be talked about for days to come because um, I heard many, uh, when they were signing the bill, uh, on Mackinac, which I, I watched via TV, I heard both sides say this is a roadmap for going forward. And that terrifies me. Um, government doesn't happen in the dark. A democratic government doesn't happen in the dark. It happens in the light. Um, and, and that's something that needs to be continued to be talked about. Representative Robbie, you're in your final term. I have one more after this. One more after if this. I, if I win re-election. If you win re-election in 2020. You're in your second right. term then. Yep. Um, is this going to be a cause for you? Are you going to try in, in the time you have left to uh, um, improve this? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, health care has always been a cause for me. I introduced the MyCare bill uh, last term, which would create a single-payer universal health care system for the entire state because I believe that, you know, uh, quite frankly, regardless of your health uh, situation, uh, it is a right that all 
all of us should have uh, not have to go into bankruptcy just because we have right. a health condition, whether it's cancer, an auto accident, anything like that. So I think big picture, that's something I'm going to continue to fight for. But granular to this issue, I will continue to fight for uh, for a restoration of universal coverage uh, under the um, you know under our auto insurance laws. I think it's unacceptable the route that we've gone, and I think that that I will I, I will continue to advocate for uh, a system that makes sure that every Michigander is covered, uh, you know, fully, um, you know, and, and, and we need, we need to go back to that. And I will also continue to advocate for an elimination of some of these racist and predatory non-driving factor ratings that are being used by insurance companies to jack up costs in certain communities. Is that the real way to get Detroit's rates down? It is the real way to get Detroit. It's the only way to get Detroit's rates down, uh, quite frankly. Uh, and then, you know, we need to couple that with some of these other fixes that we're talking about um, that will actually get everybody's rates down. And quite frankly, once those other rates start going down and once the rates start going down in Detroit, you will actually have more people buying into the system, which will ultimately create a positive feedback loop and create everybody's rates to go down. Right now, we have 20% of motorists that are driving uninsured. If we can get half of those people back into the system, that will actually help to reduce everybody's rates as well. Exactly. Erica, any final words? Um. No, I'm, you know, I, I remain hopeful that um, the legislature will um, will realize the error of their ways and revisit this um, terrible piece of legislation. But in the meantime, um, I think there's a lot of public education that needs to happen um, in order to really educate people on the choices that they will now have and the impact of their choices um, on themselves and their families. Um, it's, you know, I, I know many people in, in other states that... Um, could only wish for what we had exactly. in this state, which is a system that truly took care of people. Um, and it's just such a shame that our legislature did not value that. Um, and I, I just so appreciate all of the representatives and senators um, who voted no, like uh, Representative Robbie, and just really appreciate their leadership and their ability to stand up for those of us that um, have injuries and will be injured in the future. Well, both, I want to thank both of you for making the time today to do that, to, to try to help educate people. Representative, State Representative Yusuf Rabi, House Floor Leader, Erica Colston, continued good luck to you, and we'll certainly continue to keep an eye on this issue. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you. Last week, with considerable fanfare, Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed a car insurance reform bill on the porch of the Grand Hotel in Mackinac Island during the big annual state policy conference there. This will help drivers all the way from Detroit to the UP, she said. For once, she was joined in her approval and enthusiasm by the Republican leadership in the legislature. Additionally, Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan called it outstanding and said it will cut rate for Michigan drivers significantly and was an excellent bipartisan deal. However, if you listen to my podcast on the subject, you know that it unfortunately may be anything but good for most of us. Rates are only guaranteed to be reduced on a portion of your policy, the Personal Injury Protection, or PIP portion, and then only for eight years. That timeline is significant because by the time that expires, the governor and everyone now in the legislature will be term-limited out of office. Additionally, as House Democratic floor leader Yusuf Rabi told me, there's apparently nothing to prevent the insurance companies from later adding some kind of fee to your policy to make up for the loss on PIP. They may not do that, at least not right away, but none of that is what's really wrong here. While Michigan has the highest rates in the nation, there is one saving grace about our no-fault system of auto insurance here. 
Anyone seriously injured in a vehicle accident has all their medical bills covered for life after they exhaust the $550,000 in coverage that most people have through their insurance. So far, the Michigan Catastrophic Claims Fund has paid the bills for more than 40,000 people who've been terribly injured, more than 18,000 of whom are still using it. There are all sorts of legitimate questions about this fund, such as whether it has too much money in it, it lacks desperately needed transparency, and I think the state should be running it, not the insurance companies. But the bill the governor signed does nothing about that. Instead, it allows most people to save a little money by opting out of the fund. Of course, that means that when this bill takes effect in a year, some people will opt out of the fund to save a little money, and eventually some of them will be catastrophically injured. What happens to them then? And that's not the only worry. In my ignorance, I thought all I needed to do to protect myself was to keep paying to stay in the fund. That doesn't protect me if I'm in an accident with someone who isn't protected and I'm found to be at fault. They'll now be able to sue me for their medical expenses, which means I'll need new liability insurance to protect myself against that. I know, or think I do, why Governor Whitmer agreed to sign this bill. Politically, it would have been bad to veto a bill that seemed to lower car insurance rates. Detroit Mayor Duggan put heavy pressure on her to sign it. Additionally, billionaire Dan Gilbert was threatening to finance a ballot drive that would probably have resulted in the legislature enacting an even worse bill than this. Had they gotten enough signatures, she would have been prevented from even vetoing it. But this bill puts many people at risk and probably won't lower rates enough to make a difference, especially in Detroit. We deserve better, and this needs to be fixed. It's great to have you here. Thanks for joining me today on the Zing Media Network. I hope you'll be looking out for other offerings soon. Well, that's about it for now. I hope you'll check out my blog, LessonburyInc.com. That's an ink as an ink pen. Subscribe to this podcast on YouTube. Listen to our next episode and tell your friends. And feel free to send me a message on Facebook or via email if you have thoughts. So until next time, keep listening, watching, liking, and subscribing. I've always enjoyed spending this time with you. I'm Jack Lessonbury.